0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 230, and again, I want to tell you guys, I just recorded an episode, which you are going to hear momentarily, with Clint from Liberty Lockdown and Reed Coverdale. We shot the shit, we had a wonderful time, but afterwards, we did a little bonus episode. I heard there best podcasting moments their worst podcasting moments in addition to uh general frivolity but also guys you don't want to miss my good morning fuckheads that i do every day for you five to ten minute rants from me your favorite lines of liberty host and it's only for our pride slash patreon supporters so check that out www.patreon why would i say www <laughs> patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty join for as little as five bucks a month guys get all our bonus content including Good Morning Fuckhead Do Nothing Man episodes, Conspiracy Corners and much much more including degenerate gamblers as we get back into the football season which we love telling our horrible stories of woe and also placing some bets patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty
1: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams.
0: Hot damn, I'm here with some hot dudes. (laughs) Is that just is that just what I should do now? This is the podcast. Hot Liberty dudes on tap here with Electric Liberty Land. Uh yeah guys, I got some uh I got some hot dudes in here with me today. Clint from Liberty Lockdown and Reed Coverdale from the Naturalist Capitalist, but we had a little bit of issue with Reed's mic which through the efforts of uh, the combined super team of J.J. Boogie, who's an awesome libertarian and musician who's been on uh, the show before, actually on Mark's show. Give him a follow on Twitter through the combined efforts of J.J. Boogie and also our all-star VP of social media, Justin Campbell, who went through and uh, and cleaned up the audio even more. I think we've gotten pretty good. And if it's still not up to your ear hole standards, well, you know, suck it up, skirts. It's not a perfect world and it's a fascinating conversation. So without further ado, let's hit it. <music> Alright, alright, alright. Guys, I am excited to be joined by two gentlemen who have uh, become upstarts, powerful voices in the liberty movement and who I'd like to welcome back to Electric Liberty Land. And we'll tell that story in a moment. <laughs> but that, <laughs> is, <laughs> that is the one and only reed coverdale uh from the naturalist capitalist and founder of the john stossel mustache exchange reed (laughs) welcome back buddy
1: thanks it's nice to talk to you sober brian
0: (laughs) how dare you sir i was sober as a bird uh and also i am joined by clint last name redacted from liberty lockdown who is here again and i'll give the backstory um yeah. So we did. You know, I did a case race. I think I talked a little bit about this on the show, but I did a case race with Will Fight and uh, a few other people towed, uh, you know, from the tower gang was on there and uh, I won to my credit. But I then decided it'd be a great idea to do a bonus show with these two gentlemen who had popped on the, uh, the stream later on. And uh, wow. I mean, fucking hell. That was that was quite a show. I don't remember any of it. Uh, I went back and listened to it, and it was pretty painful. What, were, what did you guys take away from it? Did I impart a lot of words of wisdom to you on on the, the libertarian podcast? <laughs> I took I took away a lot a lot of hatred and a lot of jealousy. <laughs> so that's, was, that's what I remember from it. But uh, oh my God. it was it was playful though. It was so bad. I know. I was it was funny. I was, I was trying to. I was like so drunk, and I was trying to be playful about it. But I listened back. I was like. I just sound drunken mean. <laughs> I I could sense that it that it came from a good place, even though it in the moment it just sounded very spiteful. But uh, yeah. regardless, you guys are in my theme song. It was an honor to be on. It's an honor to be on again. Thank you so much. Hear me roar, baby. Oh yeah. fuck you! No, no roaring on my show. I don't <laughs> do that dumb crap. That's Mark's bit. No roaring here. That's why I'm Reed, here. What here about tomorrow. you? I, what What were your thoughts after after that epic? I don't even know what you'd call it.
1: Yeah, just like Clint, I was just kind of invited into that uh, case race and at the last minute wasn't expecting it at all. (laughs) And then suddenly I was on Lions of Liberty. So I was just kind of taking life as it came, you know, a quarter mile at a time. So it was exciting. (laughs) I loved it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome back. Obviously, I enjoyed both of you uh, enough. And I enjoy what you're doing enough to uh, to have you back on. And I look forward to uh, to an awesome conversation. Um, By the way, real quick, before we get into it too, one funny thing is I saw Clint, because I went to the uh California caucus for, or Mises caucus event, right? I didn't go to the convention. Right. I know Clint did. But yeah, accidentally. what's funny is accidentally, yeah, exactly. I've texted, you know, because Thaddeus Russell's talking, he mentioned Clint's going to be there. And so I'm like, oh shit, okay, let me shoot Clint a text message, you know, hey, where you at? Come on over here. And he does. So I start drinking with uh, Thaddeus and Hotep Jesus, and I just get shit-faced, and it takes a long time. But after I'm done, I'm like, all right, Clint, let's go. Let's go drinking, buddy. Let's go out and hit the bars. And he messages me that he's already gone. And not only gone, but you're staying at a hotel outside of Visalia, which is in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> it's next to nothing. It's in the middle of nowhere, door. And you're staying 30 minutes outside, Visalia? F- Why? 45, 45 minutes outside. Uh, because like, I had he get a special deluxe discount at the fucking comfort suite. Why would you do that? Because I had not intended on going. So I decided last minute to go. And I was like, I called up the hotel that was hosting the event. I called up the hotel that was hosting the LP event. Both of them were sold out. And I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I need to get on the road. Cause I had just wrapped up work. I got a six hour drive in front of me. I hop on the road, hit the five head straight out there. And on my way, or I just figure once I get there, I'll use hotels tonight and I'll just get whatever the closest thing is. No bullshit. Closest thing was almost an hour away. So, <laughs> so I'm waiting for you to stop fucking rubbing elbows with my legends over there. And uh, and you get all shit faced. You do a special interview with them, which breaks my heart. I'm not even invited. <laughs> Devastating. And then, and then two and a half hours later, you hit me up going like, Hey, you fucking loser. Where you at? Let's go party. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm already back at my room, you know? That is depressing. Well, you know, man, I I even, I had a tiny couch you could have slept on. I was in the handicapped room. You could have just curled up like a, you know, like a dog in the dog bed. That that would have been a better play, but I thought, I thought, I wasn't sure I was going to hear from you, man. It was a couple hours that you were with. with I, know, I, know, I know, I don't, I don't blame you. It was ridiculous. So anyway, <laughs> get getting, getting into it though. So, you know, both of you guys have had a lot of success coming up. Your show's really blown up. You're getting very well known. I want to hear a little bit about what do you think, you know, what do you think you're doing right? Because a lot of people within the movement now, and also I want to hear two pronged question. What do you think you're doing right and different? And are you mostly getting people listening to your show that are already in the bubble, right? The liberty bubble. Or do you think you're breaking through and reaching people as we all are striving to do outside of our liberty world? And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hit up read first.
1: Yeah, so what I think I'm doing right was uh, unity was an extremely easy topic to capitalize on and monopolize on because nobody else was really pushing it. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's the typical libertarian thing. You know, I'm a real libertarian. No, you're not. I am. You know, everyone just fighting with each other. So, trying to get everyone to uh, see the bigger picture and who the real enemy is, you know, that was kind of an easy message to uh, push because no one else was. and I wasn't. i was not the first guy to say that by any means. But, uh, you know, I just happened to be in the spotlight at the right place at the right time saying it. So there was a void and I filled it. And uh, as far as the, um, you know, reaching other people or just people in the liberty movement, I think I'm doing both. But the ratio has gone way up to the bubble because Dave Smith uh, has really promoted me and, you know, all his fans come over. And then Ryan Dawson has been on my show a bunch of times. so All his fans come over. Um, so it's, it's definitely not as balanced as it used to be, but, uh, definitely still getting people outside the bubble. I get messages every day about people who are joining the Libertarian party because of me, at least in part, or, you know, they, they mentioned me. So yeah, definitely both, but
0: awesome, man. What about you, Clint? What are you, what are you doing different, man? What do you, what do you think the key uh, is to, uh, reaching the people and expanding the movement? Well, I can't say that I'm, I'm having the same luck in getting people outside of the the libertarian circle that Reed probably is just because I'm not so much of a unity guy. I think that, I think that my delivery is more one of, um, righteous indignation and, and fury. So I think that I, I'm attractive to people that are very upset, Um <laughs> uh, which- sexually and in the movement, <laughs> oh, yeah. angry You're- people, Clint, Fuck me now! Is that crazy? <laughs> yeah, it all the time. yeah, it's like that. <laughs> um, I get DMs. Drive down from, the street, look for angry prostitutes. All right, sorry. <laughs> I get, I get DMs from dudes all the time, just screaming <laughs> like, dude, you inspire me. You want to hook up? What's up? You know, like that type of <laughs> shit. So it's pretty good. Um, so I think that was kind of the niche I filled was that there was a lot of rage in this scene and, and it was not being tapped into. It wasn't being acknowledged. It wasn't being utilized. Uh, so I came into it. As one of those people, and I just used my platform to vent about yeah. the LP, about the direction of things, about the lockdowns, about the direction of our country, the planet, tyranny on this fucking earth. I was like, I just came, you know, guns out, ready to rock. And I yeah. think that 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 was the void yeah. I filled. Is that people were sick of tepid, milk toast takes when our fucking lives are being ruined. And you know what, man, that's that's what that's I did. A- That's hits on something, you know, it's like libertarian. This is where I think the Mises caucus, you know, I I, which I like their messaging going for principle. Right. But it also ties into, you know, libertarians have a reputation for being kind of, you know, you know, fucking nerdy, you know, even though we've got all these guns, right. We're supposed to be these, you know, woodsmen. (laughs) We can take care of ourselves. We're out here, you know, trucking and chopping shit down and uh, skinning bucks. But the reputation of libertarian is not this manly man that, uh, you know, the panties should be dropping over. It is the weenie. And i like that concept of, you know, like we need to be anger. And I mean, that's my problem with libertarian platform from the, the national perspective. Right. The national party is it's very wheedling. It's very kowtowing. It's very, you know, okay, what's which which way to go? Which way is the wind blowing instead of just being like, hey, fuck you. You know, this is the way we're going and we're pissed off about it. And like Clint just said, the shit we're dealing with is life and fucking death. Why are we not pissed off all the time? (laughs) Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's actually, uh, if you go on my show, most of the people I have on are pushing that message and Clinton, and I were just in a Twitter spat today, not with each other with, uh, <laughs> someone who I won't name. Cause I don't want to give him any uh, publicity, but, um,
0: is it somebody he- I know? Uh, is it somebody we all know very well? Oh yeah. Everybody knows <laughs> <him. And laughs> he, the he- Voldemort of the, of the movement now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. There's a few of people you could
1: ascribe to that. Label, yeah. True. But, um, they they just do nothing but tear down people who are actually doing something. So a lot of people, when they hear the unity movement, they think milk toast, like, oh, don't offend each other. It's like, no, it's not what that means. It means stop attacking your fellow libertarian who's actually doing something and go do something yourself. Uh, you know, all these guys who devote uh, devote all their time to digging dirt up on people from social media posts from five years ago. Yeah. when we're living under this tyranny it's like guys let's be on the same team like why don't you direct that anger toward the state or toward the media or you know toward any of the bullshit that's going on don't aim it at your buddy aim it at the enemy so that's right. really what right. unity is all about but well
0: and also it's like you know it's like these people they they dig up this old dirt because they want to damage somebody they don't philosophically agree with a hundred percent but at the same time right. anytime you dig up that dirt what happens well the people that really, Hate them, the people that are really in power, not just people arguing within the movement, but people on the left, people in the media. Like for Dave Smith, let's say he's running for president, right? God bless him. He's got my support. Let's say somebody digs up all his old shitty tweets. In a spat with him, some Prague caucus or a cathedral caucus digs up his old shitty tweets and posts them. What do you think's going to happen with that news? How does that help us to tear him down and now give them all the ammunition they need in the mainstream media to go after him and even more so, even easily, this hand on a platter to call him a racist and a bigot and all this other fucking bullshit? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a perfect example. Would be, I wasn't crazy about the Joe Jorgensen campaign, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out of my way to tear her down. It's absurd. Right. It's like. If she if she got the the position to run, I'm still going to support her as a libertarian in the sense that like, I hope that she does well. And she didn't represent me fully, not even close, but I still am not the type of person that's going to be like, well, this lady who's making no money to do this, who's sacrificing everything to go out on the campaign trail and try and get our message to more people, fuck her forever. You know, like what a crazy person I'd have to be to feel that way. But that's how the Loser Brigade feels about Dave Smith and about us, for the most part. And yeah. I'm just done with it. Like, and I I reached out this morning trying to get him to come on because I was just like, and I've done it ten times because I, I am saw not, that I saw that little I saw that little back. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not I'm not afraid to have these people talk to me. Like, I don't think that our ideas will have any any challenge whatsoever in dismissing these people if they want to go toe to toe. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't have even like gone on the attack. I would have just allowed him to talk. And I think that's enough. I think that's enough to de- to defeat these people is to just let them speak and then point out the flaws. And they don't want it, so I'm moving on. I I'm totally down with Reed's unity thing. I'm not saying I'm not a unity guy. I'm just saying that wasn't really my my focus. My focus was tapping into the rage in this movement that was not being utilized, and I'm I'm happy to serve that role. Yeah,
1: it's funny. I actually was telling this guy, "Go on, Clint's Show. I don't want you on my show because I don't want to <laughs> waste my." like clint is willing to waste his time on you so like go ahead go, go. and he wouldn't yeah. go and he's like he's like no i want to go on your show reed and i was like dude i have the same opinion of you that clint does go on his show and then he I don't
0: know. not was, was he funny. was he was like i oh i didn't know that you felt that way i was like, what the <laughs> I was <what>? like <laughs> how did you know that so funny well it's it is funny though like the, you know certain people in the loser brigade uh, as he as he called them They go out and, you know, you look at some of the debates that we've hosted on the line or the Lions Liberty Octagon, as I like to call it, and, you know, people get beaten down pretty well, pretty thoroughly. Right. And it's hard, you know, and maybe it's just because I agree with what Dave is saying, but I try to position myself and I try to view the world through a pretty, you know, neutral lens when it comes to arguments and simple logic. And to me, it just seems pretty obvious that the logic is breaking down when you see them go head to head, but yet they will not relinquish an inch. And it's like, it reminds me of what I talk about when I talk about COVID or any of these other climate change or anything else where people, they get so deep in with their egos, they cannot let go. And it doesn't matter what logic you, you bring to the forefront. They simply put up a shield and they will not accept it in any way. Yeah. And that, that's why I'm not trying to have him on my show to convert him to our side. I am just trying to have him on on the show so that I can allow the audience to more fully understand the delusions by which these people operate. Because I believe yeah. they are genuinely, deeply delusional, very similar to the people that are are, you know, covidiots, as we call them. You know, the people mm-hmm. that are like lockdown forever. Masks work. Vaccines are safe, blah, 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 blah. blah. And there's not there's nothing you can say to break through to them. Of course, I'm not trying to have them on my show to convert them. That would be pointless. However, I think that it is valuable to demonstrate how much more well founded our beliefs are. So that was the only reason I was willing. Um and ultimately, like if he ended up coming on and being like, you know what, I've been going hard on Dave for no reason. I'm gonna back down. Uh, you know, I, I wish you guys well, that would have been amazing. And I would have been well, open to that too. I mean so. Chris Spangle went on Dave's show and I and you know, I'm friends with right. Chris Spangle and I give him credit and that there's this is why I'm friends with him, is that I don't agree with Spangle on a lot of things, you know? But he went on Dave's show and he goes, Yeah, I was wrong. I thought I was wrong. You know, I still don't agree with him on everything, but you were wrong. You know, I was wrong in this. I'll fucking own that. And, yeah. you know, back off. And now he doesn't go out of his way to criticize Dave all the fucking time. Hey, there you go. Someone someone with a little bit of character. Amazing. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, a problem we
1: have is we've uh, ca- uh, characterized everyone as red pilled or blue pilled, but then you've got Justin Amash, who a lot of people call blue pilled. And you're grouping like all these complete losers with Justin Amash. So I came up with the uh, term uh, "bitch, fuck, fuck, That's what I call them. <laughs> these people who are just like—I mean, they—they're just—they exist to do nothing but tear you down. You know, it's not really uh-huh. that they just don't like your messaging. They're just like parasites who want to be relevant by sucking off of your energy.
0: And that's all they do. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know, that Roald Dahl book, the BFG, well, you've got the BFCs, you know, they're out there just stomping around except, and they're not here to help you out. Like the BFG wasn't about nice old men. They just happen to be giant. They're just assholes. Exactly. Yeah. And just, just one, one quick note. If you guys, if you see how, how perilous the condition of our country is and the globe, and you're still caught up in this tit for tat, Petty nonsense. I just, I can't fuck with you. Like, I just, I don't, I'm not even on the same level as you, like mentally, I, and I'm not putting myself higher. I'm just saying it's a different perspective entirely. Like, yeah. I am here to try and save my family and my kids and my kids' kids. That's what I'm fucking here for. So, if you aren't here for that, I don't have any use for you. Like, you right. need to understand how dangerous the situation is. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people think this is just like some political game. And I'm not playing a game like this is life and death. So are we going to start acting like it? I hope so. And I think that that's why I'm that's why I ride with the Mises is because I think they are the people that feel that in their bones. And we need a hell of a lot more of it. Yeah. Amen. Well, let's be, let's get into some news topics, you know, talking about life or death situations. Now that, Now, we are removed from the Middle East. We're removed from Israel. Right. So we are looking at a situation over there that is, I would, you know, an apartheid state, uh, arguably a form of genocide, right, with what's going on. Um, but the average American just looks at it as, all right, well, we, we've always supported them. We support them. There's a lot of Jews here. There's a lot of Jews there. Let's not worry too much about it, right? We, we're not. We're unaffected for the most part. So what do you guys think right now of what's going on with Israel-Palestine? And also in the light of, like I sent you guys a couple of news links where you've got Netanyahu basically saying something that we already knew, which is yeah. that he's totally, totally fine taking over Gaza, taking over the West Bank, basically, you know, militarily taking it over. And I would argue they already have because it, they're a locked in nation. And also the fact that we also see a report of bombers taking out a building because they were frustrated with yeah. the fact that these that, that Hamas has a, a Gaza. By the way, somebody's I'm hearing a little bit of feedback. I think it probably is Reed because you don't have headphones yeah. Sorry. Um, I don't know. You try, yeah. Maybe just turn it down a little bit. Cause I was just here myself anyway. Uh, go ahead. Read start it up. Since.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's funny because if you call Israel an apartheid state, you make the Zionists angry and then you say, okay, well, if it's not an apartheid state, then they're attacking a sovereign nation Palestine. Is that what you want to say? And then they get angry at that too. Like, <laughs> I mean, you just can't, You can't reason with them. And I I talk about uh, religion a lot. And this is one of those few areas where religion really does play a big role. Like Zionist Christians, you can't get past this topic with them. And I grew up in that um, in that atmosphere. And you try to say anything negative about Israel and they just shut you down. And there's no there's no critical thinking about it. Like, it's just, nope. I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to hear it. Um, And, you know, we are funding both sides, but very lopsidedly. And we only fund Palestine at all because... Israel needs Hamas to exist in order to keep doing what they're doing. So I don't know. To me, it's just a complete mess. It's just a typical um, U.S. involvement in the Middle East. You know, we're not we're not purposefully trying to solve anything. We're just there to thrive off the conflict.
0: It kind of reminds me that's a, that's an interesting point. I like it a lot because talking about how, you know, the Israel does need Hamas. Otherwise, they're just, you know, a universal evil that's just beating down poor people without, it's like this. us, us kind with kind of Al Qaeda.
1: We need Al Qaeda. Right, same exact exactly.
0: thing. So. Or <laughs> you, kind of like the boys. You ever watch the boys on Amazon Prime? It's like a, a great superhero show that really, ex- and, and by the way, a very libertarian superhero show, I'd say, because it's exposing crony capitalism, government, the dangers of, of, you know, investing everything in the military and the government. Uh, but, they invent super terrorists to fight the superheroes because otherwise if the superheroes can just take everybody out like that, what do we need them for? And to That's your right. point, you know, the U S yeah, we need, we need the same thing. Let's create some super terrorists. Let's go out there and arm. Al Qaeda. Anyway, uh Clint, what do you think about the situation down there, man? Are we going to, are we going to back Israel to the end of time? If what do you think, if, if are they going in to conquer West bank and what do we do? Oh, I think we're going to back Israel to the end of time. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's any chance that we change course on that. That is, in my opinion, largely how our political system is ran is whoever gets, uh, whoever promises the most support, even, even if it's not overtly, but if they just do it behind the scenes, like we will, we will pay allegiance to your nation. Uh, those are the people that get elected. And I think that that track record proves out on the presidential level. Um, even with Trump, Trump was very, very pro Israel as well. So. Uh, honestly, this topic is not, it's not my forte. I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend like it is. I've learned a lot from watching Ryan Dawson and, and him going on Reed Show. And, um, I've learned a lot over the past two weeks, to be honest. So is, I'm going to be, neo, it's anti-neocon. Yes. Call, right? yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically, I'm just going to parrot a bunch of people. So I would, I would rather not do that. So I'll just give you my, my only take that's, I guess, personal to me is that I will always stand with the side that looks as if they're being, um trampled and to me that appears pretty pretty evident that it's the palestinians yeah. i mean they're yeah. they're way outmatched they're way out armed. uh they're they're losing way more people uh they're losing lots of children i just think it's it's awful and i would love love if i didn't exist in a country that was funding it um i don't even care if they're funding both sides if they're funding one side i would rather us not be be involved uh and as it appears today it looks like we are we are funding the destruction and the eventual takeover of that little slice of land and i you know if it leads to world war three um don't blame the libertarians we we wanted yes. nothing to do with it <laughs> we gotta love that too they're like well we, no, we, we're funding both sides everybody that's all right it makes us morally uh incalpable but you know it's also <laughs> one of those things i wonder you know as libertarians obviously and this is kind of funny because we see Black Lives Matter is now standing with Palestine, right? And and it, uh, great, go for it because they you know they would also argue that uh, Israel is in fact the white supremacy or white supremacist of the region. And I don't know. I guess you can argue that if you want to. Um, yep. Yeah, it is. I mean, it really <laughs> is kind of true. It's far truer yeah. there than I'd say it's truer here, as far as uh, yeah. a white supremacist society being in control of everything. But I wonder this. Do you think? And you know this I kind of harkens back to Ron Paul. Ron Paul had called out APAC, right? And we used to do back when Lines of Liberty was just a website. We did a a whole thing. Ron Paul gave these amazing thirty two points at the end when he was retiring from the Senate. He was giving this uh, or, or uh Congress. Yeah, sorry, Congress. conflating with Rand, he gave this you know great speech with thirty two points, and we went through point by point. But I wrote a whole piece about APAC and how you know it was so amazing for him to call them out. But the political power, the monetary power, and the PR power of being able to tear down somebody as an anti-Semite, which they wield like a cudgel, makes me wonder, you know, can a political party take that political stance, like the Libertarian Party if it grows some balls, right? Dave Smith, I'm sure, will take that stance. Is that a death sentence? Or do you think, having seen Black Lives Matter now jump on the pro-Palestine vote, do you think culturally we've gotten to the point where we can... Finally, cut this shit off and stop feeding this monster from our teeth. I've actually
1: seen some of the people who I grew up with, who were extreme Zionists, start questioning. Okay, why are we still supporting this? You know, I mean, I think it's finally starting to crack. And like you said, a lot of mainstream—not not even just Black Lives Matter, but a lot of mainstream like talk show hosts—are critical of the unwavering funding of Israel. So. I don't know. I mean, maybe people are finally starting to see through it, finally starting to get sick of it. Um, The thing that's annoying is uh, you'll have politicians like AOC or Bernie Sanders who vocally oppose supporting Israel, but then they vote to fund Israel. And that makes me wonder if it's just controlled opposition, if it's just a psyop to make it appear as though there's an anti-Israel and a pro-Israel side in Congress. Because, I mean who other than like Thomas Massey right now is really <laughs> against APAC? I mean, who really, I right. mean, I, you know, in, in uh, rhetoric, some of the Democrats speak out against it, but then they usually just vote to fund it anyway. So,
0: yeah. Clint, What about you? What are your thoughts, man? Uh, personally, I, I just want to take the libertarian position on this and, and not worry about whether or not it's palatable. Um, that's, I think that the, there is a desire for truth telling and honesty. Even if you're wrong, that if we don't fill that void, uh, we're doomed. So I think that it's important that we be very, very honest about what we think. And if, if, if it's a topic that we can't come to a consensus on, state that. I think immigration is a perfect example too. Like we don't have a firm consensus amongst libertarians as to how to handle the border. I would rather that not be what we run on. Now, yep. there are areas where we do have consensus. So let's focus on that. If Israel and Palestine, if that comes down to a consensus thing and we actually have a consensus, I'm fine with running with that. Um, I just I don't really care if it's politically palatable because we're not I'm not in this personally to get 51 percent of the vote. You know, yep. like I I'm here to convert people. And I'm here to like save people and save their their souls. Even <laughs> like I would re- I would much rather us just tell the truth about what we think about these situations and let let God sort it out. Because I would just rather have a clean conscience when this whole shit comes crashing down. Um, so that's that's my perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, the easiest thing is just to say take the libertarian stance that we shouldn't be giving foreign aid to anybody. <laughs> you know, it should be easy to get yeah. libertarians on board with that. So,
0: yeah you think I mean you'd think that would be especially in light of well not only how much money we spend at home but just looking at the amount of you know if you if you trust the left or you believe the left you know the amount of people that need help that uh, are desperately in poverty which you know isn't true but you would think that the Tulsi Gabbard argument right and and Tulsi I obviously wasn't on board with a lot of what she said but when she did run she had made the point she says look bring you know end these Wars spend that money on health care You know, and it's like, okay, I don't agree with universal health care, but I could certainly fucking support that. uh, In instead of continuing to bomb the shit out of everybody, continuing to do nothing, continuing to to fund things that make no sense. So, you know, that's where it also strikes me like there are a lot of libertarians, and I don't know what you guys thought about Tulsi Gabbard, but you know, there's a lot of libertarians who just said, you know, screw her because of her views on health care and climate. And in my opinion. We can't simply say screw her. You can't write people off because uh one or two of their views disagree with you. And they're big views. Don't get me wrong, climate change is a big initiative. They're trying to rebuild the economy. I don't think Tulsi would go along with that, but still, we have to find some allies where they exist, and you have to fucking make coalitions where you can. Yeah, I think the only the only red line with Tulsi that she crossed was guns. Uh she wasn't good on guns. And for me, that is a genuine red line. So that yep, that was I could have I could have overlooked all of the other stuff to be honest because she was pretty good on war but um if if you're if you're even gonna float the idea that I can't defend myself peace <laughs> you know like um but otherwise yeah I, I agree with you we do we do need to make some compromises it's not I'm not like I'm not gonna ride my principles <clears throat> into the dirt uh you know I would like to I would like to see some liberty in my lifetime I would like to have the capacity to raise a family in this country and not have to flee so. Yeah, Mm -hmm. if if that requires some compromise on some economic issues, yes, I am willing to do that. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of the irony, too, is your libertarians have a reputation as being, you know, completely uncompromising, even though the LP seems to be bending over backwards to be compromising cucks, cc's. But we do have that reputation as being utterly uncompromising. I think that's something that does need to change in a way. But it has to be under the principles that we believe in. And yes, you know, okay. If you're going to go along, you know, Cory Booker and the uh, the First Step Act is a good example, right? You had Rand Paul supporting that. That was a great way. It was a great forward step in prison reform. We can get behind that. It makes sense. But avoiding that stereotype of we are going to be have you know, tunnel vision, move forward in this way. If you don't agree with us, then fuck you. You know, it's it, it all is moving the, the ball forward.
1: Yeah, I actually volunteered on her campaign in, uh, in New Hampshire, and I actually know her. <laughs> but um, it was tough especially the gun thing that Clint brought up. Um, and I actually uh, really, uh, I harassed her a lot on that issue <laughs> because she was in New Hampshire a lot. And I told her, you know, you're losing a lot of, you know, you're losing a lot of votes because of this. You know, that was the only real angle I could use. But um,
0: yeah, I you, agree with you. you. I mean, I you didn't harass her enough until she got a second white streak in her hair. That's how you know you've gotten to her. <laughs> or I have to ask, did the carpet match the curtains? Is there a white streak below and up top? I need to know the people need to know <laughs> yeah the people aren't going to know for now but <laughs> if, if, if reed knows that he is officially a legend <laughs>
1: <laughs> but reed, uh, reed looks no, up right. reed, reed
0: looks down and then looks up and his mustache has a streak in it like oh
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i uh, uh, but you're right i mean you know that, that's a great way to also show people who aren't libertarians like hey we agree with you on a lot of this stuff and it makes them more interested. I actually converted a lot of Tulsi supporters to libertarians after she dropped out. Um, and even while I was on her campaign, when we were, uh, you know, like a couple of volunteers, we were putting out signs and we were riding in a vehicle together and I was telling them why free college was a horrible idea and why Medicare for all was a terrible idea and why gun control is stupid or whatever. So, you know, you infiltrate the other side and you show them like, hey, you know, you guys are right here and here and here. But you're wrong here, here, and here. If you're just screaming at them from across the street that they're commies and that they want to take your self protection away, they're not going to listen to you. But if you go and yeah. talk to them and show them, like, hey, you know, this idea is great, but think about this one, then you can actually make progress. So, yeah, amen.
0: All right, now I'm going to take a time out. It's going to be extra funny because I've, I've never done this before. Usually I just enter it in. But since we have a, a stream, we're doing more on YouTube. Time for commercial break. Commercial break, guys. As I plug Zippix, Z-I-P-P-I-X, Toothpicks.com, you can use promo code ROAR, R-O-A-R, and get 10% off your order. These things are awesome. I'm chewing one right now. You know, Clint's down there vaping. Get off the vapes, man. You can get on these Zippix Toothpicks. Caffeine-infused, baby. These things are delicious. They are cheap, cheaper than vaping, cheaper than cigarettes. Made in a lab, FDA registered, and uh, and I'm not going to lie, they're a huge hit of parties. And also, i chew them when I'm drinking because they help with my hangovers. The B12 Caffeine Toothpicks, they are fantastic. So again, check those out. Use promo code ROAR at Zippix, Z-I-P-P-I-X, Toothpicks.com. I I was actually going to ask you guys to like... Kind of like rave your hands back and forth and do a little dance <laughs> thing. I thought that'd be really fucking funny. Okay, <laughs> hey, I will quit vaping if Zipix sponsors me. Hit me up, Zipix.com. Z-I-P-P-I-X. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, Clint, uh, the owner, Marcus, had asked me for some recommendations. I'll recommend both of you guys. It's a good oh. deal. Good oh. deal. Um, but you got to tell them to use promo code uh, ROAR. That's the only <laughs> thing. Uh, all right, so getting back into it. So moving off of, of Israel, Gaza, as uh, it still sounds like somebody is raping a fax machine, which <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll clean that up in post. Somebody, somebody somewhere is getting a dick pic of Reed's penis faxed through to them. And they're like, I didn't even know this fax machine still worked. And it's just coming out on a dot matrix. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I wanted to get into this You know, we're talking about a little bit about vaccines earlier and COVID. And I don't want to spend too much time on COVID because it's just as it's overwhelming. And we've been talking about it nonstop. But what do you guys think about the Merriam-Webster dictionary editing the definition of anti-vaxxer to now include the opponents of mandatory jabs? Right. This is what it now says. This is the official definition. A person who opposes vaccination or laws that mandate vaccination.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's actually unnecessary to change the definition because you don't even have to do that anymore. I mean, you can have the dictionary define something completely black and white, but in today's society, words, definitions, standards don't mean anything anymore. You can, I mean, you you can't even have a conversation anymore. My dad uh, used to teach philosophy and he stopped like five years ago because it was pointless because you could, uh, you know, you could show someone that the conclusion wasn't, uh, consistent. They just didn't care. Um, and, you know, people say, well, to me, this word means this. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> cool. Like, your, that's your not, truth. It's your yeah, truth. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I think it, they don't even need to go that far, but they did. So
0: <laughs> I, I, I actually love it because it reminds me, it doesn't remind me, it is straight out of 1984. I mean, it is Orwellian by definition. Uh, so Uh, They'll rewrite that definition eventually too. But, uh, yeah, I I think it's, I I think it's great. I think it's great because it really shows that the language is evolving under our feet. And, and I feel like a crazy person because I used to be considered, you know, a fairly progressive person in the nineties and early two thousands. And now, and now I'm some alt right, you know, bigot or whatever, because I don't make, you know, I don't put Black Lives Matter in my Twitter handle or some bullshit or, or your, or your pronouns. Yeah, I don't know oh, my pronouns. pronouns, so obviously I don't. I care do. About trans I have people. my pronouns, so I don't get nuked,
1: and they are shall not be infringed on my Twitter. Page, so. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> uh,
0: so, so I like it, I, and I, I love that uh, that they're being more transparent with it. I think there's also an interesting point to be made that that because people aren't buying physical books anymore, that the dictionary is is now a clickbait item. So they yeah. are they are likely changing the definitions just to <laughs> draw attention to the the fact that they still exist. And it's like this. What we're witnessing a lot of the time is just the dying of of uh, you know print empires, and yeah. and I think that's why I think uh, unfortunately it may take society with it because our our news is now so corrupted to the core with this clickbait bullshit and and all the SJW nonsense because they know it'll draw eyeballs and it, it's all rage bait really. Yeah. No, I was going to, you, you made a, a point. I was thinking the same thing is that this is clickbait. I mean, for sure. It, it might be cowtowing to the liberal, liberal mob, but it also, without a doubt, is clickbait. They knew it's like when PETA puts out a press release about a Super Bowl ad that had no chance of running. They're like, we're going to show 50 bunnies being slaughtered. And they are like, oh, they turned it down. You know, it's like the same fucking shit. It's just, it's yeah. just a PR stuff. Um, but at the same time, you know, the fact that it, that it exists in this format shows you the complete illogic of, The world at large in that the opposition to a government mandated vaccine and again you know this is people on the left arguing this and then saying you know we have to convert black people who are skeptical of getting a vaccine because the government has experimented on them (laughs) by injecting them with so much shit uh these people are blindly accepting and how dare you oppose a government mandated vaccine and the thing that shocked me about this though is that at no point was it suggested That I'm aware of. I'm sure it was bandied about in the Biden White House, but it wasn't suggested that that this be a mandatory vaccine. The passports were suggested as a mandatory thing. So I was like, this is a kind of a bold step by Merriam Webster to invent a definition, which to my knowledge does not exist in the public lexicon yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. it, Oh, go ahead. ahead.
1: You can go, go Glenn. Oh.
0: well, I was just going to say, uh, you know, shout out to the black community. They're no longer just experimenting on you. It's now all of us. Aren't you happy? Equality, this is progress. This is equality, folks. Oh no, not not, not equality. Uh, what's the word they like? Equity. To use? Equity. 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 We are yeah. now equitably treated as lab rats. <laughs> Pretty dope. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, again, it just doesn't bother me because it's like, I yeah. Call me an anti vaxxer I don't care. Call me a racist. I don't care. I'm none of those things. I don't care if you call me that because this is not like the, the Overton window of acceptable opinion. Like I am going to break through that motherfucker and I'm going to tell you what I think no matter what. Mm-hmm. So like call me whatever you want, man. It's just, it's a, it's a losing battle. And and I actually got into it with Nick Sarwak today about this. He He tweeted out the most fucking insane thing I've ever read when he was like, if you can't get your message to be received, how you intend it is like, Would that be a good thing? Basically, like, would you, would you still use the media? And I'm like, the media is never going to allow (laughs) our message to be received positively. You idiot. Like, where have you been? Yeah. Gary Johnson got dragged for eons because he made one misstep about Aleppo. Now, was it a big misstep? Yes, it was, but still, had he not been a libertarian, they wouldn't have crucified him over it. If it was fucking Hillary Clinton, they would have moved right past it. And we all know that. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think uh, there, there are some really good people on the left who are opposed to this craziness because they know it's going to be turned against them. I mean, so many people are looking at this as something that's just going to be used on the right, but they're going to use it against all of us. You know, they're just mm. the, the, the center left woke people. You know, they're just using them as pawns right now. They're not, you know, they're not protecting them. They don't look at them as their. Their favorites or something like that. They're just using them as idiots right now. And as soon as they can, they're going to turn it against them too. So, you know, if this is, this involves all of us, not just I, the right.
0: I think that's actually really hopeful because if, and I, and I, we're seeing more of this black lives matter, talking about how they, they're not getting anything. They can't even get a meeting with Biden and shit like that. The the supporters of, of BLM that are genuinely after, the, after, after funneling all that money to the democratic uh, yeah. national party, all <laughs> this, yeah, worked this. Out how great. funny is that? I mean, I got to laugh. It's freaking that's pretty funny. I like it. Oh, it's be- <laughs> I think it's beautiful because it's it's showing them that all you're getting from this is nothing. I mean, you're you're basically yeah. you're you're in the streets marching, you're burning shit down to get these people in power that don't give a fuck about you. Once you see that, and I, and I think it's it's a it's an arc that all political activists goes through. Uh, same with libertarians. Same with Republicans. Republicans are feeling the same way. They know the RNC doesn't represent them anymore. Democrats are now starting to recognize the DNC doesn't recognize or doesn't represent them. And that's fucking beautiful because the more people start to see the truth, we might actually stand a chance of like working our way through this outside of the political system or or the unity stuff that we talk about all the time. Like we need more people to understand the system is corrupt to its core. If you if you support a D or an R, basically whoever they are, you're not getting anything new.
1: Yeah, and it's—I uh, mean, it's—it's it's more mainstream than it used to be. When Biden bombed Syria a couple months ago, I saw so many Democrats, and I don't even mean just hard left wingers. I mean just regular Democrats who are like, "Why did Biden bomb Syria?" You know, because they don't know anything about Biden. They—they they tend to think like, "Oh, Democrats." Yeah. He came
0: out of—he came out of came into the blue. This whirlwind of a ninety-year-old doddering fool. Yeah. Where did he come from?
1: It, and then the it same with advice, uh, when like. he was standing up for Israel over the last couple of weeks. So many Democrats were just like, I voted for you. I campaigned <laughs> for you. I gave you money. I don't understand. And it's like, what? <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, it, they are waking It's hard up not to laugh. Team. It's, it's hard,
0: just, hard not to laugh at the record. Don't worry, yeah. folks. The, the presidential pardons for nonviolent black drug offenders are coming down any day now. Any day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, Anytime soon. Federal legalization of marijuana. Any day. Um yeah. You know what? I want to. Yeah, I know. Somebody just said there's a weird ringing sound in the background. I'm well aware. Don't worry. I'm well aware. We just, we don't know how to fix it. I hopefully, you know, it on the YouTube we post, it'll probably still be there. We'll try to fix it and post for the audio stream, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Deal with it. it you, you'll get used to it. It'll become something you can't sleep without. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> let's sorry. Let's if move that's on. my fault. I don't, I don't know if it's you or Clint. I'm not, I'm not placing blame. It's just a weird, Humming. I, I, it's, I, I muted, it's I muted some, myself and it's still there, so it, it can't be me. Okay. Yeah, well, watch, w- watch if it's Brian. That'd be great. That would be <laughs> fucking funny if it wasn't. Uh, it's fine. It, it's people get over it. If they want to listen hard enough, they'll get over it. Oh, it stopped. That was that was Reed just muted himself. So okay. okay well, it's <laughs> definitely Reed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, it muted it. It's it's got to be your, it's, 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 be your it's, it's, it's something with your mic, man. Well. Again, we're forty minutes into the show at this point. Is if that better? Got- or Is that worse? Uh, talk. Say some things. Tell can us you hear
1: way. me? Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, yeah, we can yeah, hear you. Yeah. The
0: feedback. The feedback's gone. The so feedback stopped.
1: All right. Yeah, it must have been my mic. So. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, cool. it's better now. Well, thanks for figuring that out. Uh, <laughs> forty-one minutes in, forty-one minutes in. <laughs> well, hopefully right. we can clean well, up and post. If you that. watch it's my show; I you know there
1: are plenty of uh, you know technical technical errors all the time. So it's just, well, it's crazy, yeah, crazy.
0: exactly. The guy's literally—he's in a, a, a fucking cab of a trailer yeah. truck right now, guys. I mean, give him a give him a goddamn break. You don't give oh, Roger Paxton uh, a lot of shit for <laughs> podcasting from the back of a pig. No, he doesn't even do podcasts anymore. Uh, Okay, so let's. I want to do this topic to wrap it up, right? Because I just, I full disclosure, I got in a fight with a guy who's a writer for The Root on Twitter about this. And I was drunk, it was late at night. But that's what I tend to get in Twitter spats because I tend to avoid Twitter most of the time, right? I mean, I'll go on there just to check shit, but I don't really get in fights because it takes too much time and 140 characters to get into fights on Twitter. So I only do it when I tend to be a little drunk. (laughs) And I got into a spat. On uh, I think it was like Wednesday night of last week, maybe it was another night, with a guy who's like a, you know, a big writer for the Root, and he had tweeted out. He goes, "It's cancel culture that this woman who, so it's the creator of the 1619 Project, Nicole Hannah Jones." He tweeted out. He goes, "You know, this is an example of cancel culture and snowflakes on the on the right or libertarian snowflakes. You know, say that it only happens to them. Well, here it is. This is happening to us, right?" And I wrote him back. I read the story. And here's the story. I'll give you a quick synopsis. This woman is a, you know, a obviously a journalist working for the New York Times. She's the creator of the 1619 Project, which is, let's be honest, high, highly controversial. It has been attacked by almost every legitimate historian um, to say this is not factually accurate. That aside, right? She was offered a, or I guess they, she was trying to get a position at North Carolina Chapel Hill. And the journalism department had supported her. Big shock, right? A a very, you know, pretty much every institution is left-leaning when it comes to universities. The journalism department said, yes, give her the position, right? Now, this was going to be a tenured position, the night chair in race and investigative journalism, journalism, right? Tenured professorship. What she ended up getting was a, she was offered a five-year professor of practice position. So to be clear on this, She's still got offered a job. She still has a job. She's still unbelievably prominent. She's still on every mainstream media platform. And I'm sure there would be other colleges lining up to hire her. Now, I basically tweeted all of this back at him. And of course, I got pushed back. And the guy saying, I'm rewriting the definition of cancel culture because I had said cancel culture is more in line with a social mob canceling you and you're not able to work anymore. So what are your thoughts reading this story? Do you think this is cancel culture, that she was denied a tenured professorship or not? And as a side story, um, there was an AP girl that just was fired, an AP uh, reporter fired for tweeting pro-Palestine tweets that was fired recently. So are either of these cancel culture? Uh, No, Uh, in my opinion, no, not at all. I have never opposed... Someone being removed from a job or removed from public life if you are lying, if you are actually spreading mistruths, and if if it can be demonstrated that you are being deceptive intentionally, which I believe she has been demonstrated to be doing. So, you know, like, no, I have no problem with that. Um, Also, these colleges are a disaster. I want nothing more than to see them raised. So... Like, I I honestly, I don't I don't really care about this story because, like, there are so many bad professors. I think the biggest mistake she made was she should have gone to Harvard or some you know Stanford and they would have given her a tenureship right away. It's just. Yeah, there should be pushback. I mean, we should be pushing back against the indoctrination of our children. You should you should. I mean, ultimately, we shouldn't even have to cancel these these types of situations because we should have stopped sending our kids to these fucking universities a long time ago. And this would have all been solved. Uh, but as long as people are going to continue to do that, yeah, I would, I would certainly like if I was a, a parent of a kid that was good, that was stupid enough to send my kid to one of these colleges, I would absolutely be coming out and saying, no, this lady is not allowed to teach my kid. She's a disaster. She's sowing hatred in our country for no fucking reason. We already are at each other's throats. Do we need more of this? Is this progress in any sort, any sense of the word other than the regret Norwellian version? I don't yeah. know. I mean, and, and there's something to say to dispel the myth, you know, obviously, whatever we've been taught about the founding of the United States and, and taught in school is still a, it's a creation myth, right? It, yes. It's a religion. It's the religion of statism. However, there are obviously historical facts. So Reed, what is your take on this?
1: Yeah. So I, 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 I had Tom Woods on my show and we were talking about like, what is cancel culture, you know, and is it bad? And I was making the argument that cancel culture in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. It depends on what your targets are and how legitimate those targets are. So like we were engaging in cancel culture a couple months ago when the vaccine passport idea was floated. We were saying we're going to boycott any store that wants mm-hmm. to use this. We're going to try to get them put out of business. Like we're going to do everything we can to oppose it. And if you lived in the Jim Crow South and you boycotted a place that you know wasn't allowing black people to eat or drink like i don't think there's anything wrong with that so i don't necessarily think that a lot of people protesting something and making it um you know unattractive to the public eye is a bad thing i think what has happened is we've become delusional about what actual problems are and people are doing this over uh free discourse of ideas you know uh, of exchange of ideas you know they're they're they're, they're coming up with problems that really don't exist and they're turning them into life and death. And that's where the harm is. You know, I don't think it's necessarily that um, you have a lot of people opposed to something that's happening. It's that you have taken something so small and blown it up to a ridiculous size. Um, so I don't know, like I, I don't necessarily think cancel culture is Bad in and of itself. It just depends on what the subject is and how
0: seriously you're taking well, that's it. That's something you know. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Clint. I, I just wanted to say the the beautiful irony in all this is that the reason we are not capable of canceling the right people are because of people <laughs> like Nicole Hannah Jones because they <laughs> have they have built this sickness into our fucking our our right, mind right. space where we we judge things based off of like uh, microaggressions and all this nonsense and we're like, oh, this guy, this guy said like Zuby got suspended for saying hey okay dude like i mean these, this is madness why did he misgender somebody yeah because it was a tra- <laughs> it was a transfer <laughs> i knew it <laughs> and, and he didn't even know so th- yeah. this is what i'm saying i mean if if anyone deserves to be canceled inappropriately which i don't think this is it's her so fuck her <laughs> Well and it's also something right to me you know it's almost like you know when you go into warfare you're, you you def- define your terms right what are the terms of battle what are we, what are we deciding the rules of this warfare are cancel culture to, that's and this is the point i made to this guy joe i was like look you're you're expanding the rules of cancel culture warfare to to encompass everything you know you can't say this is a woman you know just because you got denied tenure from a board doesn't mean you're canceled because you're still very prominent. To me, cancel culture really is more of, you know, because to Reed's point, cancel culture is going on, boycotts are cancel culture. You know, a, a public opinion and saying we don't want to hear from you anymore is cancel culture in a way. But to me, the cancel culture is really coming into play where it's non prominent figures being basically barred from any job discourse, public opinion. Um, you know, your persona non grata. You are you are sent off like Mad Max on the fucking donkey with a pinata head you know, strapped to you. That's cancel culture to me. This woman is still very prominent, right? You know, she's employed, she's prominent, she's out there in the public square. And also, one has to ask the question: You're going for a very prominent public position at a university, a tenured professorship, and a tenured position comes with a lot of fucking attachments to it. That's a heavy commitment. You put out a story which is very divisive, which is challenged in the public sphere. It's not like you were riding under the fucking radar here for years. You are an unbelievably prominent person who put an unbelievably divisive piece of literature, which is now being taught in schools. Like, I'm sorry, but <laughs> people are allowed to not give you a fucking tenure over it well, if they don't feel like it's appropriate. Not, not to mention that, but it's also, it's academia. We are supposed to yeah. be canceling people who have shit ideas in academia. That's the whole <laughs> idea of peer review is to be like, no, yeah. this is wrong. So, uh, that's crazy. Secondarily, stop playing their fucking games. If he, if he says, oh, you're changing the definition of cancel culture, bitch, you created it and you don't yeah. play by the rules anyways. They write the rules. The, none of this shit ever applies to us anyways. So like, don't worry about them calling us hypocrites it doesn't oh, it yeah, doesn't no, work it was, on them it shouldn't work on us we are we are in a war with these motherfuckers so we got to just keep it moving and set and third tell me one person on the left who has actually been canceled like okay. really genuinely okay canceled. Uh, uh, one epstein okay <laughs> 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 yeah, canceled. okay okay fair enough fair enough but he didn't kill himself uh you got Owen Benjamin, Alex Jones. I could go down the list. Yeah, There's Owen. A- <laughs> fucking Owen's been on the show a couple times, man. I don't even know. I I I actually reached out to Owen. Now he went a little he went a little off the reservation. I'll be he honest. Did? He yeah. went a little off the reservation. But I'd still reached out to him uh probably a few months ago. And I just I don't know, man. He's just off in the fucking wilderness. I don't know what the fuck he's doing now. Yeah,
1: I can't let this go by without pointing out that you said to me, cancel culture is. So maybe we should Oh get- no. Maybe we should look at what Webster Dictionary says cancel culture is. (laughs) Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. (laughs) God
0: damn it. I'm sharing my truth too much.
1: (laughs) No, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. What you're saying that cancel culture is when you're, it's what I was pointing to with it. It's the extremities. You're taking someone who's so irrelevant and you're ostracizing them over something so dumb. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. kind of the epitome of what cancel culture is today it's the overall concept of, you know, saying ideas are trash and, um, you know, boycotting or disapproving of things. That's fine. It's just when you take it to the extremities that we have, where you're making it impossible for Joe, the plumber to get a job because he thinks some dumb thing or whatever. So I agree. Yeah, it's with you. like,
0: it's like the guy that worked at Google that wrote the the paper just saying, Oh, uh, James Dar- Dalmore, Dalmore. Yeah. Yeah. James Damore. I think it is. Yeah. Um, You know he gets. He's probably blacklisted from tech companies after after that whole shit went down. That's a guy who didn't have any power, and I don't. I don't really play this power dynamic thing because that gets into like Marxist tactics. But let's be honest, he was just an employee. Too many sexual sexual harassment lawsuits in my past. I don't get into the power dynamic. (laughs) That's not what what I meant. That's not (laughs) what I meant. (laughs) That's why they come. Liberty Lockdown. (laughs) 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 He went to jail for a few months. (laughs) This is why I've never had employees because I can't trust myself.
1: (laughs) And me personally, though, like I will, I'd talk to anybody, you know, like I think that I'm just saying in general, society is going to have cancel culture. And that's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. It's just when they take it to these levels. But me personally, like, I think that if you want to uh, show someone that their ideas are dumb, you should go talk to them and, you know, expose their ideas for what they are. Like Clint was saying, if he could have that guy on his show, he could just let him talk and expose himself for what a fraud he is. Pick that's your own homeboy homeboy. Yeah, that, that's the, that's the way to change somebody's mind. I mean, if you tell them, you know, I was having Ryan Dawson on a few days ago and he said, like, if you call a Nazi a Nazi, okay, they don't care because that's what they are. Or if it's like right, calling yeah. a communist, a communist. So the way to change their minds is to actually get in there and, you know, have a logical battle of ideas with them. So, I mean, cancel culture, even though it exists, I, I don't think it actually ever really solves anything. If you cancel people, you actually radicalize them. And you give credence to what they're saying because you don't usually have to censor something that's not true. Like you don't, you know, they didn't, they they don't censor people for talking about aliens or stupid crap or crazy 9-11 conspiracies. They censor you when you start talking about things that might have actually happened, you know. Like a Wuhan
0: lab leak. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) No, that's an actually uh, a really, really, (laughs) that's actually a good point. I hate when people say that and I just said it. Yeah, no, that's I a good point. You made a good point. Imagine that. I don't know what <laughs> Uh no, that is a, that is a good point though. It's an interesting point um that yeah, you know the the ideas that are pushed back and, and again, maybe that's why libertarians are always shut down so hard, mocked and dismissed instead of people talking to us because we know and there's a reason we're all in this movement because we know that philosophically, logically, you know, it, we are when we argue, it's hard to beat us. Um, I have said this on the show, and maybe one of you can give me an answer on this because I've thought about it. I was arguing with my uh, father-in-law, and who's a very intelligent man, and has come farther towards libertarianism since he's become uh, a property owner and, uh, and gotten older and, and just been fucked by the government, which is funny to see because he was super left. I'm just la- I was laughing. I was on his boat with him, you know, <laughs> laughing because he's become so much more libertarian. But the one thing he got me on. Um, that I really could not provide an answer. It was air pollution. And it's the one thing where, from a libertarian perspective, I really don't have a good answer for it because it is hard to prove who did it. It's hard, you know, private property rights, like, okay, well, I'm dying from this shit. I don't know where it's coming from. How do I prove it? How do I, do I have the money to prove it? You know, I who do I sue? Who do I go to to prove it? You know, it's a very difficult topic. And I know, I didn't, pre- I didn't prepare either of you for this. I'm just saying, thoughts, gentlemen? Because he, I, and I, and, but, I will tell you this. I said, you know what, John, you got me. I don't have an answer for that, man. I don't Yeah, have they it.
1: asked me, they asked me on uh, the Tower Gang podcast if farting in someone's window violated the non-aggression principle. <laughs> kind of the same, kind of the same.
0: I didn't really have a <laughs> Well, at a great least you know that. what butt it came out of. In this That's scenario, true, you'd have God. to have, you'd have to have two butts and they'd have to be silent but deadly. So you didn't know which butt did it.
1: That's correct. Yeah, I don't really have a good answer for that. And that's actually been something that I've, uh, that was, I'm a huge nature guy. I've been to like a bunch of national parks. And honestly, like that was one of the statist positions that I've been letting go of the hardest. You know, I finally did, but I don't have all the answers. Um, So I'm in the same boat as you. So hopefully Clint can help us out.
0: No pressure, Clint yeah it's all it's all on my shoulders here I need I need the to like call me up and give me the answer because I know he's got it. Um, yeah I mean, I think for the most part you will know when if the pollution is significant enough, you will be able to identify who's the the perpetrator. Um, obviously, if you're in somewhere like China where it's just industrial pollution is everywhere uh, and you just don't have any regulations to to deal with it um, I think that there are there are certainly situations where you would not know who is yeah. actually well, the one well, like that gave you the pollution right radiation would be a good example right radiation you can't see it you breathe it in just like pollution you don't you can't see it so if somebody is having radiation okay you know, so radiation poisoning that would be i mean how many, how many nuclear power plants are in your area? You know, like you're going to, well, yes, yes, yes. I you're prob- know, you're probably, you're probably going to be able to figure it out. Like I, I have sent near me. If I had radiation poisoning, I wouldn't be like, but, I, I but, bet it's those Fukushima problem, motherfuckers. But the problem is with this argument is that we empirically though, we have to, we have to strong man this. We have to steel man this right, empirically. Right, right. They could say, well, there's more than one. That's the response. There's more than one. Why well, you sue both? I mean, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that uh, that's, that's probably the answer. I, Personally, I think that the problem is is that we have uh, too much regulatory capture where we have these these industries that are they don't have to compete so that you end up in the situation where they're so they're so f- uh, financially well off that they can they can defend and crush anybody who who comes after them. I think if you were to free the market, you would have a much more competitive environment and an economy in which you wouldn't have so many monopolistic forces that can defend themselves by hiring the best attorneys on earth and just crushing the little guy. Um so I think a lot of this is, it's very it's very common that when we get into these like these these niche uh, arguments and we and we struggle to have a, a solid answer, I always try and go back to the to the root of the issue. like what how why are we in this position to begin with? Is it Is it really that we have these companies that are just polluting willy-nilly and that they don't care about the economy or that they don't care about the uh, environment? I mean, in this in this society today, where people are so fucking crazy about green tech and all this stuff, I find it hard to believe that we wouldn't have um, natural, like organic movements that that push these companies to be better actors. Right, um, but we're so, our system is so sick as it is. It's well, like, how do we get from here to there? Well, and there are. I mean, uh, organic. I was listening to uh, Michael Schellenberger, who was uh, an environmentalist who now has written, you know, a, a great book. He's great. i I'm yeah. on the name, but yeah, you, you'll still have read it. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but. Yeah, you know, I've listened to it and he's taken the position where so often it's, and I've argued this too, you know, I was on this panel, uh, with, again, me and the firing squad, basically, you know, a, a USC professor in environmentalism and whatever else and me up there as a libertarian arguing. But what's funny is the argument I made was that, not well, number one, human action, human intuition, ingenuity, and uh, the marketplace will drive so the solution to climate change, right? That that was my one And then the second thing was talking about how the third world nations that are polluting the most, right? Let's say pollution, like, because you were just talking, Clint, about, okay, we have these people that are polluting, right? We have a society set up where the incentive is actually to get past that pollution point. The best thing we could do would be to help these countries that are polluting, burning coal, that's expensive. It's, a you know, or it's cheap for them, but it's expensive in the carbon cost. Get them through this point, get them to a higher GDP, a higher wealth point where they can have cleaner energy because that is the evolution of climate, and that's the point I've been making this And That's where Schellenberger backs me up, everybody else. And that's the thing is like push them forward, help them forward, and you don't have to fucking worry about it because the natural market incentives is cleaner, more efficient, better. And if, and if we were to get the government out of the way, we would almost certainly have really high quality, zero carbon emission nuclear energy, which is yep. another problem that I would definitely throw in their face if they want to get real froggy about it. By the way, yep. Michael Schellenberger, I Googled it for you just because I, as an author, oh, I would hate to, hate to not have my book shout out. Uh, <laughs> apocalypse Never, Why Environmental it, Alarmism Hurts Us All. Yes. Apocalypse Never. That's the one. All right. Well, Jets, let's wrap it up. This has been awesome. We've, we're about an hour in. Uh, we could keep shitting, shooting the shit if you want to do a bonus <laughs> episode after this for 15 minutes. It's up to you. I don't know if you guys. I know Reed's gonna drive, but um, let's. I wrap got my it up. 10 hour
1: off shift, so I'm good. But yeah, I'm all right. Rock, well, well,
0: we'll we'll stay on then. We'll do. Uh, I'll I'm ready to roar, this. Brian. The goddamn right, you <laughs> fucking piece of shit, Go on Mark Show trash ass, trash ass ass monkey with that terrible cheesy garbage. Uh, all right. Reed, tell the people where they can find you. And and by the way, I'll send you guys another link to uh to restart this uh to do a bonus. So where can they find you? Tell them about your show. Where can they find you on social media? All that good stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm the only Reed Coverdale in the world, and the only Naturalist Capitalist in the world. So if you search that anywhere, you'll find me. But I'm mostly on uh, YouTube as the Naturalist Capitalist and Reed Coverdale on Twitter. Uh, follow me. Both those places got a lot of big guests coming up. Um got Nick Gillespie coming on next month. And uh, the next four Horsemen episode is uh, me and my friend, Eric Ryan Dawson and Scott Horton. So if I get a single word in on that video, that'll be amazing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <no
0: should. laughs> please, uh,
1: please subscribe to me and follow me on Twitter. And uh, thanks for having me on Brian.
0: Yeah, man, for sure. I am at Liberty Lockpot on Twitter. Most of you guys already follow me. Probably um, Liberty lockdown is the show it's on. You can follow me on Instagram. Also YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, uh, I have Gene Epstein coming on. Uh, by the way, I'm a mortgage broker. So like my expertise is really in the real estate field. So I think you'll be very interested to see what I see in that. If you check me out, uh, I'm having Gene Epstein on to talk about that. I have the Redhead Libertarian coming on this week, um, Dave Smith, and I don't know, a bunch, bunch of other... Oh, Ryan Dawson as well. So it's going to be fun. Check it out. If you're as pissed about everything as me, you will enjoy my show. There you go. Gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining me. This has been a joy and a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it more than the last time you were on the show with me. I know <laughs> I did. I know I'll remember it far more. I enjoyed both <laughs> times, to be honest. Yeah, they were both great. <laughs> for different All reasons. Right. All <laughs> right. Well, for me, Brian McWilliams, from Reed Coverdale, from uh, Clint, from Liberty Lockdown, and from the lines of Liberty, always stay plugged into Liberty.